All right, Jason, I'm going to test you early on the count of three. One, two, three. Same old sorry ass Rams. New Sprint Ride Option Podcast starts now. Welcome, everybody. We are live. live. My name is Jason Aponte. I am Andrew Pasquini. We're working. That's it. We're working over here. That's it. Let's go, Niners. Let's go, Niners. Sprint Ride Option Podcast. Oh, man, oh, man. It's a new Sprint Ride Option podcast. I am Andrew Pasquini, joined as always by Jason Aponte. And Jason, how are you doing on this lovely Monday, this this ninth consecutive Monday after defeating the Rams in the regular season? How are you doing today? Uh, Good, man. Just uh, enjoying two different games on Sunday Night Football, which I think is absolutely stupid. Um, especially they're going at the same time. Like, why not start one at one time? Why not start the other at another time? I, I don't know. Like, that's how it used to be. Also, this used to be a week one thing. I don't know why week two we're getting it. It always and used week to three. Be, it we're getting it at week three, too. Yeah, week three. Serious? Yeah, next week, too. The same okay. thing. Bengals, Bengals and somebody else, and somebody else and somebody else. <laughs> there we go. That's a hell of a Monday night matchup next week. No, because it usually it used to be one at like 4:30 and then one at seven o'clock. So then, you know, you, you get the shifting times, but I guess not. I guess we don't have that technology anymore. I don't know why not, but hey, that's okay. I'm watching Derek Carr struggle against the Panthers. Maybe and you're the Steelers watching. have already scored? And the Steelers have already – oh, the Steelers have already scored. 14-51. Uh-oh. The streak is in trouble. The Niners what, – what, what is it? The, uh, the Niners Owen, – Owen something? Owen whatever? Team's playing the Niners the next week. Oh, and six, 16 last year. That's in trouble already with the Steelers scoring in the first nine seconds. Anyways, here we are. It's Monday. The Niners beat the Rams yesterday, 30 to 23. Uh, I watched the game a little late, so I think I had a little bit different of a perspective on it uh, because I got to see all the Twitter meltdowns of everything that happened throughout the game. Uh, I, I thought the defense had a way worse game than, than they did because of what Twitter said, but we'll get into the Twitter talk, all that stuff. All that matters, Jason, is I want to start with a hot take at the very top. And, and this is one of those, it should happen things, but it sh- it'll never happen things. When the Niners go to Los Angeles next year in 2024, if I'm the Rams, I almost just don't sell tickets. Because it's it's getting embarrassing. The past few years, it was it was closer to a 50-50. It was like 60-40. That was almost 80-20 yesterday uh, in, in SoFi Stadium. Dare I say Levi South, uh, which is fine, Jason. You're, you're totally fine, man. It's it's okay. I can carry this a little bit if you need to. No, no biggie. But if, if I'm the Rams, if I am the Los Angeles Rams, I'm not selling tickets because it's just – it's an absolute embarrassment that every time – the Niners come down to this, and, and I apologize. I'm not. I don't pay attention to the Raiders necessarily. Uh, I don't know if Raider fans fill that stadium for Chargers games, like Niner fans fill the stadium for Ra- like for Rams games. But it, it's just to a point where it's so so embarrassing that that the the Los Angeles Rams cannot get this stadium even remotely close with blue when the 49ers are in town. Just don't sell tickets next year to this game. Well, the thing is, is that when we make fun of the Rams for not having fans, there's a really good reason for it. It's because there's so many Rams fans that are upset with their initial move to L.A. And mm-hmm. you know what? Good on them yeah. for never coming back. Yeah. If a team mistreats you and you leave, I hate when people 
are like, how can you leave the team if they no, if the team isn't treating you right, yeah, you don't have to like boycott them and like pick it. Just stop watching them. Stop supporting them. And I think that's probably the biggest thing more than anything. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of 49er fans in L.A., but the Rams fans that don't go there, they don't go there because they've already been slighted by this franchise when they moved them to St. Louis. And what they're doing is they're showing integrity by not going anymore and not giving them money, not at their back. Yeah. And, and it's just so embarrassing for, for the it, it, it felt like such a slam dunk for it to be the Raiders to move there. Like, like if you were going to move the Raiders, like try the Rams in Vegas if you want, but, but the Raiders going to Los Angeles felt like the easiest option. I, I just don't know how the Rams are. I guess they're making money and that's why this, this idea would never work. I don't think an NFL team would voluntarily take a zero in the ticket sales for a week because of the bad luck. But it, it's, it's just such man. I, cause I, as I said, I was a little late watching the game. I was surprised to see how many people how many Niner fans were there. And, and I was already expecting plenty of Niner fans there. And it was surprising how many were there. I mean, not for me. I mean, I went to the MC title game and it was a little bit closer. Um, but anytime that you've ever seen that, it, it's always been the same thing. But again, there's a reason for it. It's not like, you know, the same thing with the Chargers, right? The Chargers are in LA, but the Chargers didn't bring their fans from San Diego. And it's just, it's weird, right? Like when you slight a bunch of people, when you leave, and you, and you have an identity as the Los Angeles Rams for so long, and you slight a bunch of people, and then you try to come back, people aren't going to run all the way back. And good on those fans, man. Good on those fans. If you really want to make a, if you really want to make a statement, stop paying to see them play. Stop watching them play. Don't buy any of their merchandise. And that's really what it is more than anything is that they, it's the, I know we make jokes, but it's about the fact that the Rams fans are showing integrity. And I respect that. Honestly. Oh, yeah. No, I, absolutely i know because it's just i mean you're seeing it i mean if, if you don't you know if you're you're young enough to where you don't remember the rams moving to, to los angeles just which is four years ago you're probably too young to watch this podcast but you just see what ace fans are doing right now in oakland and, and how many people aren't going to move with them to vegas so you make a fantastic point jason aponte uh let's dive into it let's dive into the 49ers victory over the los angeles rams yesterday really quick just a scoring summary really uh just just to get you guys up to date uh christian mccaffrey opens the scoring with a 14 yard touchdown run he had a pretty good game yesterday brett mayer follows up with a 43 yard field goal to make it seven to three at the end of the first quarter uh jake moody opens up the scoring in the second quarter with a 27 yard field goal but the Rams come storming back down 10 to 3 to make it 17 to 10. Back to back Kyron Williams, six yard or back to back touchdown uh, for Kyron Williams to make it 17 to 10. Brock Purdy then gets a quarterback sneak at halftime, 17 to 7. Shout out Kyle Shanahan. Sure, we're going to talk about that one in a little bit here. Uh, the only score in the third quarter was a Jake Moody 57 yard field goal before the Niners. Really put it away in the fourth quarter. Debo Samuel run, which I think should have been a Brock Purdy touchdown pass. I thought that was a – you want to talk about thinking it was a forward pass, Jason? That was a forward pass. Uh, Brett Mayer hits a 48-yard field goal after 2-2 at, uh, Atwell decides not to run a route. Uh, Jake Moody hits a 26-yard uh, field goal to put the game away, but Brett Mayer, some spread, uh, gives the Niners a seven-point victory. Jason, as always, we are going to start with the quarterbacks. Brock Purdy, 17 for 25, 206. He was sacked once for no yards loss. Uh, I have some thoughts on Brock Purdy, but I just talked a lot. So you want to give me your thoughts first? Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it was a fine game. Uh, just, oh, my God, man. You're, you're fine. I'll, get, I'll, a, I'll give my thoughts it's, if you need to. 
Just go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. Listen, I the numbers are fine. The numbers are totally, totally fine. Uh, my issue is, and, and I think a lot of people's issues were the missed passes, the three overshots. Uh, one, I believe it was Juwan Jackson. It was three different receivers, Juwan Jennings, Brandon Ayuk, and Debo Samuel. Uh, the, the, the worst one was definitely the last one to Debo Samuel. Uh, that was the easiest walk-in touchdown. That, that, was, that was obviously going to be seven. But the Jawan Jennings ones, too, could have easily been seven because how many times have we seen Jawan Jennings make a man miss after tackles? All he had to do was make one man miss, and he would have scored a touchdown on that one, too. So to leave two touchdowns, two potential touchdowns, one for sure touchdown on the field, I don't necessarily like that. Uh, it, it doesn't make me feel great. And, and here's my thing. I, I know I might be coming off a little hard on Brock Purdy, but to me, last year was the cute little last pick stepping in as the rookie story. He's a starting quarterback this year. And to me, you got to hit at least one of those throws. Like if, if he hits one, maybe it's not that big of a deal. If he hits two, I'm feeling great. But to hit none of those three passes, his his numbers could have been way, way better yesterday if he had hit literally any of those. The three overthrows, it's just – it's that's too high of a number of overthrows for me to look past in order for me to comfortably say this is a good Brock Purdy game. Uh, but, hey, what, what do I know? Because this is, what, Purdy's 10th career game, and this is the first time we're really talking about him having a bad game. So – not too bad of a deal, right? Not too big of a situation, but I, I just wish he hit a couple of those big plays because that's what, that's what Kyle, Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan is trying to hit. What we're forgetting is that Brock Purdy hasn't even gotten into the teens of his starts. And mm-hmm. because he's played so well, it's almost a shock that he doesn't hit these yes. throws. It's not a big deal. Okay. And if you want to be doomed, not you, if people want to be doom and gloom and say, oh my God, well, you know, uh, if he hits, if he doesn't hit those throws later on, they're going to lose games. Listen, the offense scored 30 points. Mm-hmm. The offense scored 30 points again without these throws. He was yeah. fine. What he did more than anything was protect the ball. If Jimmy Garoppolo or any other quarterback misses those throws, that means the 49ers score 16 points and they need their defense to do everything else. There's never been a time that the 49ers have missed those opportunities and still been able to put 30 points up. Never. It's yeah. not, it just doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And if this offense struggles that way and they're scoring 30, then imagine I'm fine. It's yeah. look, it's because you haven't seen him miss the throws, mm-hmm. you are shocked. Mm-hmm. You you have seen him play what miles beyond his experience. Yeah, it's not that serious, man. Yeah. It would be serious if it was in a crucial part of the game, mm-hmm. if it was leading, or if they were underthrown and intercepted and it turned and flipped the field and gave momentum. Look. I expect games like that. Every quarterback misses throws like that. Patrick Mahomes was missing throws like that. Joe Burrow hasn't looked good. It happens to everybody. I think it's fine. I don't think I haven't batted an eye at it. And I'm yeah. glad that Kyle Shanahan's actually stepping up to the podium and giving the young man um encouragement. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen that with some of the other quarterbacks, but hey, you know, you will take what you can get at this point. Yeah, no, and I and I agree. It's not that I I'm not doom and gloom on this. Like, I, not at all. And to me, it's just an isolated game. Quarterbacks are going to miss throws. It is what it is. As I said, my th- my issue is, is is it's three. That's too high of a number for me personally. But like, I, I'm not. My opinion has not changed on Brock Purdy. It's not a how how can he? He's not the franchise guy anymore. Jason, he missed three throws in a 30 to 23 win over. No, 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 no. That's not what any of it is. It's just isolated game. It it, it didn't feel great. 
But the point Jason made, the Niners won. They still scored 30 points. If this was any other quarterback in any previous Kyle Shanahan year, the Niners are scoring 10 points in this game and, and losing. And then the defense probably has a better second quarter, and it's like an 11 to 10 game like Denver last year. It's that type of thing. And, and, and so, yeah, who cares? It's one game. I did personally hand up winners and loser article. I did make Purdy a loser because of the three throws, but it wasn't because it's overtly bad. It's just within the span of that 60 minutes. It wasn't his best game. It is what it is. You just haven't seen it from him. So it's a exactly. Shot. I mean, yes. when you're used to him, when you're used to him throwing darts all over the field, all that stuff, I think, I think the, the positive is some other quarterbacks will go to pieces if they're missing those throws and they wouldn't even be able to function and operate the offense, he still felt like it was in command. It never felt like it was out of command. Mm -hmm. um, that's my thing, man. It's just, again, you you can pinpoint those throws and nitpicking those throws and mm -hmm. screenshotting and saying, oh, he missed this throw or he missed and then like cutting those clips and he misses this throw. It takes away the whole game and it takes away the command that he had of the offense. Nothing yeah. ever felt like it was out of control. Yeah. It never feels too big for him ever. That's really what it is, what it is more than anything. Now, if this becomes a trend, then we can start to talk about that. But this is the first time we've seen it. So it's just – there's a lot of people waiting to pile on Purdy. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. just waiting, just waiting yeah. to pounce. And, again, their negativity is under the guise of, well, I'm just keeping it real, man. Yeah. You, you know, do you want me to – do? You, no, no, no. Keeping it real is saying he missed some opportunities, but he played fine yeah. in this game. That's keeping it real. Not keeping it real is this is going to bite him in the ass later on against this team. And, oh, my God, and I'm so worried. That's not – that is not keeping it real. Yes. That is negativity. Negativity is often under the guise of realism. Yeah. Everyone always says, I want to keep it real. Well, I'm keeping it real. He missed some throws, and I'm concerned. No. You – are gaslighting you are fear-mongering you are trying to make something out of nothing and it's so funny to me to just watch the overreactions to somebody miss a few yeah. throws when every single quarterback literally misses these throws yeah yeah no because like to me like the thing i was talking about last week is brock purdy has the look he, he looks like an nfl quarterback he still absolutely had that look it's just the results weren't there it, it's very much still a process over results type thing you just want to see improvements from purdy and and with literally any other last pick in the nfl draft odds are we're talking about this being his fifth or sixth bad game in 10 starts but this is we have been honored and blessed with a quarterback to take 10 games jason aponte to have one noticeably not great start like what i said not even a bad start he only threw eight incompletions on the game he he threw for 206 yards. Like he still had a game that we've expected. The only thing that was different is there wasn't two touchdowns in the TD call. That was it. That was the only difference. So yeah, no, nothing to worry about. They he's got a defense coming up on Thursday that gave up how many points to the Arizona Cardinals? Uh, he has he get guess what? He gets to play against the Arizona Cardinals in two weeks as well. So it's just. It, Nothing. It's nothing at this point. Just, just something to keep an eye on, maybe. I mean, you have to tell the story of this game, and you can't without those throws or without yes. those misses, right? Like that would be that would also be uh, not keeping it real and not yes. not pointing it out. But the whole idea of this being like, oh my god, now I'm all of a sudden concerned. Like, come on, come on, relax. I mean, look, the Giants gave up a hundred, you know, two hundred yards on the ground, whatever it was. They looked awful, man. It took everything in them to come back and beat the Cardinals. No Saquon Barkley this week. 
And, you know, if Purdy doesn't miss any throws, I want to make sure that you keep that same energy all of a sudden now. And you know me, in the beginning, I was not impressed with him when I went to training yeah. camp. There was yeah. nothing that he did that I thought was special. And I predicted that he was going to make uh, he was going to make the practice squad. He did. And everyone's just like, oh, you're a Purdy hater. And then, like, when I praise Purdy now, it's like, well, stay on that side. Well, do you want me to just obtusely stay on that side of, like, what I saw just no objectively yeah. or use information to be fluid and, and change my opinion is what, what is happening, right? Like, exactly. it's just so funny. It's just like everybody is kind of stuck in this place where if you praise Purdy, then you can't, you can't um, talk crazy about him. If you weren't as impressed with him during that first training camp, then you can't praise him. And we just live in a world where people are so dug in that they'd rather find a way to be right than get it right. And and that's the part that's weird. Like, do you want to get it right or do you want to find a way to circumvent logic and have it perpetuate your initial thought because yeah. you can't change your initial thought with more information? And mm -hmm. that's the thing. It's just so strange to me. It's like you. this is how you objectively talk about this game. He didn't play his best game. He missed throws. The 49ers won. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be, I don't know what's going to happen in week seven or in the NFC championship or the Super Bowl if he misses those throws. Surely those are not going to be good things. But how did the conversation change from objectively looking at one game to doom and gloom now in a game that yeah. you're not even qualified to play in yet? Yeah. I don't get that part. Yeah, no, exactly. And and that's that's the thing. Like that, as I said, um, I was following the game on Twitter and just seeing the reaction versus what the reality was. As I said, I don't I, I don't feel great that I put Purdy as a loser on my NinerNation.com article. We write for Niners Nation, Jason, by the way. Uh, but just is what it is. One game. He he could he could go throw for three touchdowns on Thursday. He's gonna be a winner. Bada bing, bada boom. We're feeling good. Uh Jason, this is my transition to the rushing attack. Brock Purdy went two for two on quarterback sneaks, one of which happened uh, with one second left at the end of the first half. Kyle Shanahan opts not to kick a, what, 24-yard field goal, whatever it is, from, from right there. Uh, and he chooses to sneak it in, a very aggressive call. It makes it 17-17 to 17 going into the second half. It, it, it counts as a fourth down aggressive call because you don't get a play after that if you don't convert it. Uh, so shout out, claps, claps for Kyle Shanahan on that. So I want to give him credit before we start talking about the other running backs. It's night and day now, the the confidence yeah, in the play calling. It's it's completely night and day. I mean, that would have been a complete situation with anybody else under under center that you immediately just kicked the field goal. Mm -hmm. um, and the same thing with the fourth and one in week one. It's very clear that Kyle Shanahan has all the confidence in the world and Purdy um, to, to do something like that. And, yeah, we were kind of hoping that we would see – you know, again, no coach is perfect. And what I always wanted to see was more aggression on fourth down. And, you know, to see it right there in that moment and have it have it work. I mean, you know, it always looks better when it works. Mm -hmm. But I also do love the fact that it is something that that now is kind of showing itself after after two games with Kyle. Kyle. I mean, well, you've seen it more than two games. You see it, you saw it more last yeah. year as well, too. But now in two games, you're kind of seeing it with uh, with Purdy as the entrenched starter. Yes, no, and it looks good. It feels good. It's just there's there's that confidence there that I really like, and I'm happy that it's made its way into 2023. Uh, the big news at the running back position, Christian McCaffrey, 20 carries, 116 yards, a touchdown, 51 uh, long. Uh, Kella Witherspoon made the tackle. They had some, pretty sure, some nice words to share with each other. Probably said good run and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Debo Samuel, five carries for 38 yards and a rushing touchdown. Again, I think that should have been a passing touchdown, neither here nor there. Uh, to me, the, the big thing here is actually appreciated. Uh, we got a donation from Zach. If we want to 
take this real quick. Uh, thank you very much for the donation. It's the difference between 49ers fans and football fans. If you're a casual 49ers fan, it's hard for them to accept Brock Purdy when Mahomes, Allen, and Burrow, et cetera, are in the league, and it's just hyperbolic. I understand a little bit of that, but I, I think uh, a lot of people need to realize it's not very easy to find a Mahomes or an Allen or a Burrow in, in today's NFL. It's really four or five elite quarterbacks and then a bunch of tier two and tier three quarterbacks. And that's what the NFL is at this point at the quarterback position. So yeah, absolutely. I, I, I get that thought, Zachary. Um, so so we appreciate the donation. You, you got some thoughts, Jason? No, that's the point is yeah. I want a Mahomes. I want a Burrow. Yeah, well. Where are you at? Uh, show me twenty nine other teams do. Show me the tree. Show me the tree that they're growing yeah. on. Yeah, I mean it's it is literally and and week to week that elite number shrinks a little bit more sometimes because yeah. Joe Burrow ain't looking so hot. Uh, you know, uh, Mahomes for large stretches of that Jaguars game. I don't know if you guys watched. Look, mere mortal. Allen's um, getting to turn the ball over a lot. Josh Allen turns the ball over at an unreal rate. Yeah. So the list of truly elite guys. You know, if you would have asked us a few years ago, Lamar Jackson's in there. I'm not sure he's in it. Yeah. Um, so where are they? Yeah. Where are they? Yeah. And I think when people think of elite, they think of physical tools and, and you know, fast running and arm and all that stuff. But that only gets you so far in this league. Yeah. And the 49ers are trying to do something that is kind of bucking the trend is trying to win without Mahomes. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, without Mahomes, because Mahomes is the one who's in it every year. Yeah. Right. Jalen Hurts is an elite. Like, that's the thing is everybody talks about, well, I want an elite guy. I want one of those guys. Yeah. You and 26 other teams want yeah. that. <laughs> and and it's insane. Mm -hmm. I don't think Hurts is elite. I don't think Herbert's elite. I don't think they're elite at all. Mm -hmm. I don't think so at all, actually. I think the list, the list grows small, smaller and smaller as the weeks pile up and the more and more we get. I don't think either of those guys are elite. Yeah, I'm at a point where I just think, it, and I think a lot of people think it, it's tier one Mahomes, everybody else tier two. And, and that's just kind of what it is. Uh, to the running backs now, Christian McCaffrey, that's kind of the big story out of this game. He played a bunch of snaps. I believe it was 100% of the snaps, if, if that's the number I, I, I think I saw. Uh, the, the other thing is, and this one's a little convoluted, a little convoluted Andrew stat. We all love convoluted Andrew stats. Uh, Christian McCaffrey became the third 49ers running back in the Kyle Shanahan era to be the only player listed as a running back to get a carry in a game. I know Debo Samuel gets a lot of carries, but he's listed as a right receiver. That's where the convolution comes in. Uh, the other two were in 2021. It was Elijah Mitchell, and I'm drawing a blank, Jeff Wilson. So so really, maybe the, the biggest sign of just Christian McCaffrey's really, really good is Kyle Shanahan just almost using him exclusively at this point because Elijah Mitchell didn't have a ton of carries last week either. Uh, so, Jay said, I'll ask you the question that everybody seems to be panicking over uh, today on 49ers Twitter. Is Christian McCaffrey going to be burnt out for the playoffs? <laughs> I mean, if you continue if you continue on this trend, it would still be less than his most, uh, most touches ever in a season with Carolina. Yeah. And I don't know, man. It's just, look. Kyle Shanahan clearly just trusts his best players. I mean, and it's the funny part is, is you can't have it both ways. Oh, it's a blowout. Get him out of there. Bring somebody in. Oh, it's a close game. Well, get somebody else in there. Yeah. Uh, what's the point? If you if, yeah. do you believe Elijah Mitchell can create the defense and 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 the attention to the defense than that Christian McCaffrey can? Yeah. And who's not to say that this is the plan for the entire year? Yeah. What if? And this is a big brain thought here. What if? 
the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan realized, you know what? In this game, I don't trust anybody but Christian McCaffrey, and I'm going to put my trust in the guy who is probably the best running back in the league. Yeah. Maybe next week against the New York Giants, you don't feel that way halfway through. Yeah, Maybe against you, the Arizona you. Cardinals, you don't feel that way halfway through. Again, yes. why are we panicking over things that are game-specific? Mm-hmm. This is specific yes. to the game. Kyle yes. Shanahan literally came out yes. today and said it wasn't the plan to do that. But when you're in the field of the game and Christian McCaffrey is dominating, why would you try to, you know what, we got to get Elijah Mitchell in there. And when he gets stopped, you know, two yards behind the line or is running for two yards, well, where's Christian McCaffrey? You can't have it both ways. In this game, the coach, who everybody's praising in this game for his play calling, felt that the best player out there for him were the two players that he relied on, especially with Brandon Ayuk being in and out, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. And if they put in Elijah Mitchell and Elijah Mitchell's ineffective and all of a sudden you have to punt because you're behind the sticks now, well, where's Christian McCaffrey? Yes. You can't have it both ways. In this yep. game, this felt specific to this game. This game was close, much closer than Kyle Shanahan anticipated. I believe that's what he meant by that's not the plan. We thought we were – I wish Kyle Shanahan would have said we would have won by 17 points. We would have played Elijah Mitchell. But the game was never that far away. They had to fight for everything. It doesn't make sense, man. You can't have it both ways. Because if you put in Elijah Mitchell or Jordan Mason and they get stuffed behind the line two and three times or they're not as effective as Christian McCaffrey, you're going to start asking where's Christian McCaffrey. Let the guy play if he's in rhythm. You can't play scared. And that's another thing that people say about Kyle. I don't get this part. This part is super overblown. No. Yeah. And, and that, like, that's the other thing too. It's like, it's only 20 carries. Like I know that's a lot in like 2023 20, terms, but that used to be just like a normal Sunday for a lot of guys. And, and when it's a player that's, that's like Christian McCaffrey, who has the ability to break a big play like he did, which by the way, sh- just shout out to the entire run block on that play, because I believe it was Trent Williams and Aaron Banks kind of setting up that first hole with Jawan Jennings and Debo setting up that second level to allow that 51 yard run. But yeah, man, I, I'm not, I'm never personally going to complain about Christian McCaffrey getting too many touches. If, if maybe he was like Brandon Ayuk yesterday where every other play he was getting up slow. Yeah. I'm going to be angry about it. Cause you're probably giving him too many touches. But if Christian McCaffrey wants to be on the field, Christian McCaffrey's going to be on the field. And that's it just it is what it is, man. It's it's one game. And it's not going to be typical because the 49ers should be up by a lot against the Giants. And they should be able to run the football at will, right? Mm -hmm. And if next week that's what happens and you see Elijah Mitchell a lot more, which is what Kyle Shanahan literally said after the game, are we going to still be outraged and still be pointing to, well, in week two you played it? Like, come, come on man this has to be specific to just this game that's yeah. it why does everything have to be looking down the line at certain things like well you know can you do this in the championship game you haven't qualified for that game yet you gotta win games and you yeah. gotta find way to win ways to win games and sometimes the ways to win games is i know this is crazy is give the ball to your best what? players and let them cook for you imagine that i just and this and this is a team who the past few years have had issues with very slow starts. 
Uh, you have a chance to go 2-0, and get, get that momentum rolling early. Use Christian McCaffrey. Use your best players. Uh, let's go on to the receiving core. Debo Samuel, six receptions, 63 yards. Jawan Jennings, two for 51. Brandon Ayuk, three for 43. George Kittle, three for 30. Christian McCaffrey, three for 19. Uh, I, I just really want to start. Bor, bor. Brandon Ayuk's got that dog in him. Just, just constantly slow to get up, wanting to get back out there, going to play. I don't know if they – did they ever say what was going on? Because I don't think I ever heard anything or noticed anything. I just want to shout out. We're not his best game statistically, but just toughness. And, and I wanted to point that out before we got into anything else. Yeah, I just hope he's all right. That's it. I mean, I don't think I don't think the 49ers and this isn't me, you know, because, you know, you and I were actually talking about the Rams before this game. Like, hey, maybe we should slow down. Like, yeah. you know, even though like eventually we got to the point where we were just like, oh, you know, I don't see how they're going to keep up. But we talked about it. Like, maybe you should slow down. Sean McVay is a real good coach. So I don't want to say that the 49ers don't need Brandon Ayuk against the Giants, but I certainly am not risking him this week if they don't feel that it's it's necessary or if you know, if it can possibly be injured more, he can be injured more. So um, it's the NFL. Mm -hmm. Teams get paid to play on the other side. Yeah. Teams have good coaches and schemes, and they work on that all week. It's kind of what you saw with the Rams, which is why we were a little shocked earlier on, you know, in the game, like to where the defense was. You have to give credit to Matthew Stafford and that, that coaching staff for coming up with that game yes. plan. They weren't – it's not like the 49ers were selling. Um, and – you can expect the New York Giants on Thursday to, to come out and play football regardless. Their season's not over because Saquon Bar – or they're just not going to roll over because Saquon Barkley's not playing yeah. in his game either. Do I yeah. expect the 49ers to win? For sure. Yeah. Spoiler alert, my prediction is the 49ers win. And I and you know what? I think eventually it doesn't you know stay close. No. But that team gets paid to play over there as well too, man. And they get – they scheme and they do all those things and they're actual football players. So this whole idea of, you know, well, you know, you don't need him for IU – you don't need IU for this week – you probably don't, but you can't just be sitting there yes. being like, well, you know, well, whatever. Let's take the Giants for granted. That's another thing you can't do. No, absolutely not. Uh, so, yeah, that, hopefully Ayuk's fine. Uh, I, don't, I think I saw a thing that if there were practice today, he wouldn't he have practiced, which yeah. I, I, I'm not surprised with how much he came off the field. Debo Samuel, just kind of a classic Debo game. A lot of screens, a lot of things behind the line of scrimmage, and he just kind of physically runs. Really the only thing that was missing was his big – like. The big play, the trademark big play he has against the Rams where he breaks off a 50-60 yard run. Uh, that, that was really the only thing missing from him, so I want to make sure we shout him out. Uh, Jawan Jennings had a pretty good catch, and, and that, that was really it. Outside of that, the receivers were, you know, uh, just it was it was the, the receivers we talk about it a little differently if going back to if Purdy hits a pass or two. But other than that, it was just kind of a, a standard day for the receivers. Yeah, this felt like a Debo game that anybody could have seen coming with their eyes closed. I mean, in terms of touches and him scoring a touchdown, I mean, just the way, you know, the history against the Rams um, and, you know, just just the way that he's he's capable of playing. And he looked he looked great in Pittsburgh. It wasn't a matter of like him not doing anything. He still looked great. So, um, you know, when you call for a Debo game against the Rams, you're not jumping out on a limb. You're never jumping out on a limb. No. But uh, again, down the stretch, it just felt like Kyle Shanahan said, listen, Ayuk's not there. Um, you know, maybe Purdy's not hitting the throws down the field that, that I feel comfortable with dialing up. Well, you know what? I've got two guys that I can make sure that when they have the ball in their hands, I feel confident with Debo and Christian McCaffrey. And they literally, literally just rode them the rest of the way. Um, and it's a victory. And that's yeah. how you get to victory. It's the, the craziest thing that I've ever heard is putting the ball in the hands of your studs. I know. I know, guys. I know. I know. It's like really insane to think about that. But yeah, there you go.
Uh, no, I liked it. Hey, Jason, let's go to the offensive line. And and I mean this. I'm going to make this joke here. I think this should be his new nickname just because I think it's complete and utter bullshit. Uh, Spencer, Mr. 0.0 Burford. Mm, yeah. uh, because, listen, like, sure, he gave up three pressures. Whatever, man. I just think, in my mind, when you hold Aaron Donald to two pressures – and one quarterback hurry, and I don't think he had a tackle. Uh, actually, nope. I have the box score in front of me. I can he look doesn't. at that. He didn't have a tackle. I don't know how anybody on an offensive line can have a 0.0 PFF pass blocking grade. Uh, other than that, I thought the offensive line was fantastic. Already gave the flowers to the left side of the line because of the run that Christian McCaffrey had. Colton McKivitz, Colton McKivitz, Colton McKivitz didn't allow a pressure. Uh, let me make sure that he did not. He allowed one. I lied. It was to Aaron Donald. But Aaron Donald, they, they, can we transfer the Aaron Donald stopper nickname from Brunskill to Colton McKivitz and Mr. 0.0? Well, the thing is, is this. This is what we've always been saying. Regardless of your feeling of how good these these players are, right? Um, Kyle Shanahan is never going to let him be in a position where it's bad. You're never going to be. A, this is this, Yesterday was a case study of what we talked about with everybody freaking out about the right side. If you're predictable in your play calling and you're down 20 to nothing and you're dropping back every single time, you are going to get your quarterback hurt when you face Aaron Donald, TJ yep. Watt. That's yep. when you're going to be in trouble. Fortunately for the 49ers, they still had the option to run the ball and they were they devised a game plan in which the ball came out quickly. Crazy how that works, huh? Yep. But funny enough, the case study is this. The 49ers had that, and then the Rams, when they got behind, had to drop back and throw. And you know what happened, Andrew Pasquini? The 49ers pass rush started kicking ass. You know why? Because they got predictable, and the 49ers were able to do what they needed to do. See how that works? Mm -hmm. Every offensive line looks good when the quarterback gets the ball out quickly. When you devise a game plan to run away from guys and you're running the ball very well and you have the defense on their toes because they have to figure out whether it's play action, run, or a pass. Yeah. But when it's dropped back and pass, there's not an offensive line in this world that can sit back and handle that. And funny enough, when the 49ers went up and they put the, the Rams in a spot where they had to throw the football, all of a sudden the pass rush showed up. Funny how that works. Look. On certain pass plays, you can always worry about individual matchups. But it's not like the coaching staff and Kyle Shanahan are going to be looking and saying, well, wait a minute, who's that 99 guy? We've never heard of him. How is he so good? I don't get it. I don't understand it. Yeah. It's uh, We understand who they are. We still have our game plan. We can run our offense the way we want to. You're not going to get us out of our game plan. We're going to run the football. We're going to keep you on your toes. We might run right at you to keep you on your toes. But when you become predictable and you're behind by 20 points, 10 points, and you have to predictably throw the ball, you're going to get yourself in trouble. That's exactly what happened with the Rams. So, look, a little bit about the 0.0, .0 thing. I think that's impossible. When I tweeted impossible. that out today, when I tweeted that out today, it was just to point something out. And again, I've talked about PFF's grading system. You know, I did data collection for them for a little while. I had a, I had a chance to peel back the curtain and understand, you know, what they were doing. But for me... This boils down to not the grading system, but the grader. Yeah. Do you know what you're looking at? What is the pressure? What is he supposed to do? Because Brad literally posted a clip right away in which Spencer Burford is engaged with, with um, McKivitz. 
passes him off and picks up a blitzer. Yes. And, and how is it a zero? I, I, about that? I was specifically wondering about that play because I remember a play where Burford passed it off to McKivitz and McKivitz allowed the pressure. Uh, I think McKivitz allowed Purdy to get hit or throw in hand in his face. And so who gets the pressure on that play? Are you going to punish Burford for doing his job to pass off? Or are you going to punish McKivitz for actually allowing the pressure? And to me, like you, you don't see that explanation within these numbers. They don't no. tell you plus minus plays. And that's my thing, because to me, I noticed that play right away, and it's like Burford's doing his job, but to the untrained eye, and I even admit myself as an untrained eye, I've said that before, it looks like it's it's Burford allowing the pressure when realistically he's just passing him off to make sure what, you know, things, this and that, you know. And and here's the thing, is the graders are watching one player. And, and by the way, it's a group of graders, and then they send that their grades that get aggregated to that. <laughs> so I don't know how all these graders got yeah. to zero, but that's no, a whole I don't. thing. Uh, we're at the no, halfway. Hold on, one more thing. One more thing. Oh, the graders are watching one player, but they don't understand schematically the responsibilities. For instance, if one lineman is supposed to be in a spot where he is, and the other lineman causes a miscommunication and gets it wrong, and then that allows someone to get through to the untrained eye, that looks like that guard blew his assignment. In reality. The tackle blew his assignment, but you don't know that because schematically you don't know that. What you're looking at is you're just taking it for face value, right? When you watch coverage, you watch you watch a player and you watch him against the receiver. The receiver gets open and he's wide open, right? And then you look at the cornerback and you're like, well, why weren't you there? Well, what if his responsibility was a hook defender where he has to come down and the safety was supposed to come and grab him and he didn't? So whose responsibility is it? If you don't know, don't rush to judgment and start yelling things out. It is okay. And yeah. I mean, obviously the PFF graders can't say this. It is okay to say, I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm looking at here. I don't know what the responsibility is supposed to be. The problem is, is that the power is now in these grades and the organizations use the PFF data to yes. negotiate with yep. players And the idea that people who have no idea what's going on schematically have no idea of responsibilities on certain plays about O-line play and technique now Mm -hmm. are empowering organizations to use this in negotiations to low-ball football players. And it's got to be one of the weirdest, strangest things. I don't like bashing companies, but PFF being in bed with the NFL feels very strange. And it's got to be a conflict of interest at this point. It has to be. Because you're using this as the holy Bible, but the people doing the grading couldn't tell you the difference between cover two, cover three, and a fire zone. But yet they are sitting here playing with people's lives and their careers. And I don't think that it takes someone to know all of those things to know whether a guy had a good game or not. But I wouldn't say that Burford was awful. Like, that, no. like to get a zero, that, that makes no sense. No, and, and that's my thing. Like I just don't, to me, like dumb football guy thought here, Andrew Pasquini, but I just don't see how in a game where Aaron Donald did nothing, nothing of note, and a majority of the time he's facing the right side of an offensive line, you look at that right guard and be like, zero. He held the best defensive player in football to not much. A lot of it schematically, whatever, but – very bad game for him. So that that's my issue. I don't personally like it. Jason, I love you for pointing it out and fighting the good fight against PFF. I appreciate it. No, I'm just going to get I'm just going to get a bunch of YouTube comments that are just like, "Why are you so angry?" And I'm like, "All right, man." 
Hey man, who cares? Christ, man. No, nah, uh, when I'm hey. when I'm calm, it's just like damn, he's not angry. And when I'm angry, it's just like, hey, calm down. It's like, calm all right, down. bro. <laughs> Welcome to the life of, of being a podcaster. Yeah, uh, Jason Aponte, you have a fantastic YouTube channel. Uh, if you are new here, you can subscribe to that channel. Uh, there's great content. Six thirty tonight. After this, he's going to go on with our guy Vish. Uh, you're going to watch us pick up the tempo a little bit because we're going to be up against it. Uh, but. Jason Aponte's YouTube channel, a lot of great content, Sprint Red Option podcast included. You can go subscribe to that on wherever you get your podcast. Jason Aponte, the 49ers defensive line, dare I say, all the way back. Uh, I believe it was 27 pressures. My Speaking of PFF not working, which is very slow there. Uh, yes, 27 pressures, five from Nick Bosa, five from Javon Hargrave, four from Javon Kinlaw. The 49ers defensive line just felt like it looked really really good it was all over the place it didn't necessarily have the highest sack number only one but that pre like to me i value pressures more than sacks uh because pressures are what forces the turnovers uh so what what do you think about that defensive line well it picked up in the second half again credit yes. the rams they they had a great game plan about getting the ball out quickly and the 49ers it, it just it was a perfect storm of the first half and i had to again this is what i love about about practicing what you preach. I had an issue earlier on in this game where I said, is this typical where the 49ers play this far off of their, off and their receiving? And I talked to Eric Crocker and Crocker posted it on Twitter as well too. And he said, hey, that's how Steve Wilkes played it. And you expect the pass rush to get there. Well, it's a perfect storm of Matthew Stafford getting the ball out quickly to Puka Nakua so for every single throw ever. The coverage being off. And the, the Rams had a great game plan. And then the pass rush isn't allowed to get there. But then you start to see a little bit of the adjustments in the second half. I wanted to hold myself back from talking about what the adjustments were because people just automatically assume it's, oh, they're blitzing more or, oh, they're just stepped up a little bit more. No, no, no. Like, it's a little bit of everything, right? Like, so that's why when people are like, well, what sort of adjustments did you see? I'm like, it's TV broadcast. I can't tell you. Yeah. And they never show you what's going on behind, right? Like, you can only watch. And, you know, we were blessed with the film this morning. In the second half, more of it was the fact that they moved up just a little bit more, but there was more blitzing from Steve Wilkes, and it worked, right? Like, he calls the stunt blitz with Fred Warner. It gets there. They they mixed up their coverage looks. They weren't just sitting in zone. They weren't just sitting back as well. Credit Isaiah Oliver. He played a very good game as well, too, after he started off very slowly. And same thing with Lenore. So, look, it's it's pass rush early on in the game. It was like, where is it? It's non-existent. And the other thing is, I think we were a little spoiled because of what we saw in week one, and we kind of just expect that every single week. I think yeah. we need to dial that back a little bit more. And, I mean, in all facets of the game, because games are never going to be that easy in the NFL. I don't care who you're playing. Um, yeah. So, for me, when you see it happen down the stretch, it's a combination of the 49ers making adjustments, finally putting points on the board and putting pressure on the Rams to have to really not have a clock-chewing uh, you know, clock chewing drives. They have to actually throw the ball down the field. And when that starts to happen and you start to get into predictable situations – that's when your pass rush is going to flourish. I thought in the second half is really when you saw it come alive. Javon Hargrave, I believe, if next-gen stats are correct, he was the one with the least amount of separation from the quarterback um, on the sacks and pressures. That's the way that they the way that they do it. And the one, the funniest thing is the guy who had the furthest separation from the quarterback on the sacks and pressures. His name, was number no, number ninety-nine, Aaron Donald. He was like he was like almost four yards away. The league average is three point six four or something like that. Four, almost four yards away. So it just, it, as the game went on, the adjustments happened. The 49ers started getting back to playing their game on offense. And when you're playing good offense, it puts pressure on the other offense to try to keep up because you can't just chew the clock.
Javon Hargrave was so locked in. He had one of those Madden-esque plays where he just got through the line so fast on a run play, he almost sacked Stafford before the handoff. Like, that's yep. how that was crazy. I'm so – Hargrave gets me going. He gets the juices flowing a little bit for me because he's just so exciting to watch. Uh, the last thing I had on the defensive line before uh, three stars, because I have a player I'm going to mention on the line for my three stars, uh, we watched – I think before our eyes, we watched Nick Bosa revving the engine a little bit. Five yeah. pressures by Mike. He's still Cal, not all the way three. back, though. He's not all the way back, but I think three of those five pressures came in the fourth quarter. You started noticing 97 a little bit more in the fourth quarter. And to me, I think that was us seeing him kind of shake off those cobwebs. And now this is where I think the Thursday night game, the only place where the Thursday night game is good is Nick Bosa only has three days before he gets a chance to carry that momentum because there was plenty of – I know I know some people on Twitter, hi, Grant Cohn, I love you, no sacks, all that stuff, but we saw him revving up, and that to me is just as important as that sack number. Maybe he gets one or two on – maybe three, maybe three, maybe four on Thursday. I don't know. I want to praise – I want to praise Javar Kinlaw. Yeah. And I know it's two games. Mm-hmm. I know it's two games, but Javon Kinlaw right now with his six pressures and six quarterback hurries in his 31 true pass set um, reps, he's already doing something that he's never done while being a 49er, which is pressure the quarterback at this mm-hmm. rate. And he was always known as a run stuffer. But I know it's only two games, and I know this isn't a predictor of the future, but could you have asked for a better start for a guy who was drafted that high and now is a rotational guy? I mean, that's the thing about this line and when I was saying about how deep it is and why it possibly could exceed the 2019 line is because of the depth. Mm-hmm. It's because if Javon Kinlaw can continue this with the second team and you can keep guys healthy and you don't have fresh, you don't have to keep running Hargrave out there. Or even possibly if you want to start getting froggy and you start to see something really big from Kinlaw, you start Bosa, Kinlaw, and Hargrave, and then you get Armstead on the outside. As well, too, which which he's he's been known to be a menace yes. like that way, too. It starts to give you all of these combinations of what you can do. Or perhaps maybe we see a little bit more of what we kind of saw with Steve Wilkes with the five down linemen in week one. All of these things are, are why the numbers should confirm what you're seeing with your eyes. And Javon Kinlaw is playing very good football right now. And I'll admit, in the preseason, it didn't look that great. He was still getting blown off the ball. I don't know what's happened. I don't know if maybe he realizes that the, the lights are on for real. Maybe some people come alive when they know the games matter. But Javon Kinlaw has been playing so well. And when you think about this line and the depth across it, if Javon Kinlaw can continue this, it is such a boost to this to this line, man. And mm-hmm. I don't know what the 49ers are thinking after, whether they want to sign him, whatever. That's something for them to worry about. But in terms of contributing to this team, if you can keep everybody fresh in this rotation and you have guys that are constantly getting pressure, shout out to Cleveland Farrell and all these other guys, and you're able to just continue this and you don't have to rely on Nick Bosa going 100% every single game. I mean, what a boost to this defense, man. I think it's so good. Yeah, and, and I want to – Vishal makes a great point. Drake Jackson had a pretty good game too. He had a few yeah. tackles uh, in the backfield. He had one on a screenplay that I remember. He had a batted ball at the line. Want to make sure that, uh, that that we shouted him out. Uh, Jason Aponte, this is how we're going to pick up the pace here. Uh, linebackers, Drake Greenlaw, 12 tackles. Fred Warner, 11 tackles. One sack, a tackle for a loss. Both the Niners good. have really goddamn good linebackers. Both, that's my, that's my thought. But Fred Warner, Drake, Drake Greenlaw, very good at football. 
Yeah, very good at football. So now the secondary, we're good on that. We talked about the linebackers, right? Are you? you got yeah, some- we're good. I, yeah, I mean, I, only other one linebacker took a snap, which is Oren Burks, and that's the second straight week that it's been that way. It is literally the 49ers coming out in nickel, nickel, nickel. But nobody seems to be complaining about a lot of But snaps. hold on, Andrew. What about the base defense? The what base. About, oh, my God. Oh my they're going to get so the tired. The base defense. You need the third linebacker. My oh, God. my God. They're playing oh, too many snaps. The base. What about too the base? It's getting too many snaps, man. The base. Fangio can't come here. The base. It's all about that base. About that base. No treble. Uh, the secondary, Jason Aponte. It was kind of a shaky start. Uh, but then they really came together. Uh, it Diamador Lenore made a very nice play on his interception. Isaiah Oliver, a little bit of luck. But, Jason, we talk about it on this podcast a lot. Get lucky on interceptions quite a bit more often than not. Really, I thought the biggest play of the game for the secondary was Tutu Atwell sitting down uh, on a route. That name I already forgot. I referenced Richard Dredd tweeting it. It would have been a touchdown. I don't know how much it necessarily changes the game. And then my other thought is I saw a lot of people complaining about Puka Nakua. Very good game, breaking all these records for most receptions and yards in the first two games. 15 for 147. I don't care how good of a game Puka Nakua had. You know why? Because if we called him Cooper Cup, nobody would care. Because that's what Cooper Cup does. What I look at, especially against the Rams, is what did everybody else do? 2-2 Atwell, 7 for 77. That's a fine game, but nothing that broke the Niners. Tyler Higby, 3 for 12. Nobody else killed the 49ers, Jason Aponte, and that is the key against the Rams. Um, <laughs> I love this. We'll talk, we'll talk about that because there is some I love talk this. at the secondary. Um, yeah, whatever, man. Puka Nakua can have his 15. I'm going to I'm gonna miss talking about yeah. the Rams so much because Puka Nakua is the funnest name to say in football. Yeah. So I'm going to try to get it as much as I can in the next five minutes. But, yeah, man, whatever. He can have his 15 for 147. The secondary did fine outside of the second quarter. 15 for 147 doesn't even equate to 10 per. No, um, like that's yeah. the wild thing. He wasn't even getting a first down per catch. Right. It wasn't even 10 per. The thing is, is this, what it's good for is fantasy football. Um, If yes. you play in a PPR oh. league, my God, yeah. 29 oh. points. Hello. Yeah. Um, But those are the type of games that Cooper Cup had. Like, right. Like, and we always talk about that. It's like, okay, we can allow that. What can you allow? Well, you can allow 14 catches for 140 yards or 14 catches for 113 yards, whatever it is. That just means it's one guy. And he's not gashing you down the field, right? If Justin Jefferson has six catches for 174 yards, you're getting your shit rocked. Like, you're getting your shit rocked. Like, it's not the same thing. The game plan was to get the ball out quickly, and the 49ers rallied to the football. And and that's, and that's for me, the biggest play in the, in the secondary was the Lenore interception because yes. he plays it perfectly, and then he undercuts on Van Jefferson, and he makes a great play. And I think yes. that, was, that was an incredible interception. That really felt like that was the end of, like, them making any sort of comeback and it felt like that was the game but Vishal says speaking of nickel does Oliver look like he's stepping up I think yes he looked a lot better in this game at least um and he got praised Embry had his injury so not sure about him yeah you know look I don't ever want to say an injury is not real yeah I don't want to say an injury is not real that's two straight weeks of when right after right after Embry Thomas has been kind of struggling that there's an injury that is like, well, that's why we took him out of the game. We didn't take him out of the game because he wasn't playing well. We took him out of the game because he's injured. And, you know, this is what it was, right? Like, so look, I understand exactly what Vishal is saying. It does feel, it does feel shaky that it was yeah. an injury. 
My only complaint about Isaiah Oliver, and this is this is not fair to him at all. So I'm just I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is not a fair criticism. I know he improved throughout the game. The only play that runs through my mind from him yesterday, I believe it was Kyron Williams made the reception and he fell down. And Isaiah Oliver was unable to make the tackle as Williams was literally like his knee was like that high off the ground and Oliver couldn't complete the tackle. And all I could hear in my head, Jason Aponte living rent free of saying an increase, miss tackle. an increase, miss tackle percentage every year. Like that's he all has, I heard. He has so 10% like, I know miss tackle not, rate. It's not fair because he did improve later in the second in the game, but yeah. that one play stuck in my head. My biggest issue with the secondary yesterday, and it's not even an issue with the players on the field. This is not a shot at Trey Swilling. I am just very, very grumpy that Samuel Womack goes on the IR. I'm a big Quantrez Knight guy. He's not the guy selected for the roster. Instead, it's Trey Swilling, who the only time I noticed him was committing a catch interference. And now Quantrez Knight is on the Arizona Cardinals. I don't understand that thought process because you've had Quantrez Knight for a few years now you've had praise for him every preseason and he wasn't the guy activated. No, I know Bradley Roby came in uh, for, for up. A, a meeting today that feels nothing against Roby, but that feels like Josh Norman signing with the Niners. I don't know if it'll be that bad, but it, it is a name that's maybe past his prime. Maybe not. We'll see. Hey, if he's a Niner, I hope he's in his prime and he's going to be great, but it, it's just, I don't, that doesn't necessarily make me feel great. And again, Jason, I don't like to necessarily brag when I'm right, but when the 53-man roster came out and there was five cornerbacks, and I said, if there's any injury, what the hell are you going to do? And now it, now there's an injury, there's maybe another injury, and my what the hell are you going to do was Quantrez Knight, and now he's in Arizona. So that's my only complaint about the second, the biggest complaint about the secondary today. I don't know how Swilling got the call up overnight, but I'm or over over. Quantrez night. It sounds like overnight, eh. but I'm not there every day. So maybe they saw something that I didn't. So I do want to keep that in mind. I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm not moved by the Quantrez night thing. I just, I no, never, no, like, you, yeah. no, it's yeah. just, it, it was just like this, like, oh my God. Yeah. And I'm just like, it, all right, guys. I don't want to be put on this jumbotron though, like DJ Reed, right? Like with, with no. Leo, right? Like I don't, I don't want that to happen either. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I have no, no, I love Quadras Knight, and then like, I, I understand that like this is this is really the nitty nitpicking we do as 49ers podcasters is this, these these practice squad decisions that may or may not really mean anything. So I guess that's kind of what it is. I I, I just was a big Quadras Knight guy. That's really all it was. I'm not like. I'm not going to lose sleep over it necessarily. I hope he mm. does well. Not too well in Arizona because it's the divisional rival thing, but I hope mm. he does well in Arizona. Yeah, it'll be all right, man. I, I don't know. You know, again, like, Ill Manning, I can't believe you let it. Yeah, Manning, exactly. He, yeah. Doesn't, he doesn't even play. Like, yeah. I don't know. Okay. He, he, he can't even crack the Arizona roster, like the Arizona starters. Like, it, look, okay. again, look. Um, And, yeah, Nick Chubb got carted off. Yeah, oh I saw that. Uh, oh Jason, I have one last thought. One last thought before we get to three stars and get up out of here. Uh, and if I, before I say it, I want to say I love you so much with all my heart. Um, uh, I'm not going to be one of those nerds who tags Jason Aponte every time Jake Moody does something. I have a life. But can I positively spin the 57-yard field goal for you just real quick? And it's out of love. Last year, it would have been a punt. Mm -hmm. The Niners would have gotten zero point. I know, I know the play before, 
I understand that. I'm just isolating Jake Moody. Last year, that would have been a punt, and the Niners would have had zero points. So that's all. That's all I got. That's all I got. Uh, Jason, you ready for three stars? Let's do it. Let's do it. Three stars. Hey, uh, Jason, I'm going to give my third star Javon Kinlaw. This has been a very pro Javon Kinlaw podcast. I, I mean, we we know about him in the the running attack. That's kind of what we've gotten to know him for. Four pressures, four quarterback hurries. It felt like I think he had a batted ball at the line. I, less snaps might be better for him. I, I feel really, really good about where Javon Kinlaw is going. Uh, his his not lack of snaps because it's, it's really not a lack of snaps. It's just there's two guys above him right now I think is going to make him a better player. So I want to give Javon Kinlaw a huge shout out. Javon Hargrave is my third. I mean, he's just he he's all over the football the, the entire time. He had five pressures, man. I just I'm I'm really uh, I'm really happy that he's on our team. So yeah, Javon Hargrave, man. Um, you know, uh, absolute menace, and it's definitely he's getting very close. And it may come this week on Thursday. He is he is getting really close to one of those two sack three sack games where he's an absolute monster. And it might be this week with Evan Neal being benched. Um, Andrew Thomas is not playing. The Giants yeah, so offensive fun. line is not that good. Uh, it's coming, and I think it might be on Thursday, honestly. So you got you got two or three for Hargrave on Thursday. I've, I've already mentioned three or four for Bosa. So this is going to be a hell of a game. It's for a the sack fest, baby. Hey, uh, honestly, 15 and a half sacks on Thursday. Book it. Book uh, it. My, my second star, really, I don't think I could go wrong with either McCaffrey or Debo Samuel. I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey just because he had the big chunk play. Uh, 20 carries, 116 yards. I hope he's not too tired after all those carries, Jason. I hope he got a good night's sleep. But he he just I, – I, there's the Niners have so many positions where, like, every week I just want to be like – yeah, man, he's just so damn good. What else can I say? And Christian McCaffrey's really at that point. So my second star, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, mine's going to be Debo Samuel, but then we're going to flip-flop. Um, again, Debo does what he does against the Rams, man. He just – he's incredible, and he looks in, in in great shape. And, again, what happened in Pittsburgh, if you look at the numbers and you didn't watch the game, you would probably say, man, well, he didn't really do anything, but he looks great, and you kind of felt that this was going to happen. And, again, you know, when Brandon Ayuk's a little banged up or if you need to bring this thing home, it's not a bad idea to get the ball in the hands of your studs because if you don't give the ball to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel down the down the stretch to ice a game, you're going to ask, well, why didn't they get the ball to Debo and Christian McCaffrey? Like, you can't have it both ways. you got to yeah. have your studs have the football. And in this game, they were needed, and they were the reason that kind of put the 49ers over the top. Yeah, my number one star, shout-out Warriors World. Uh, he's on my shirt. It's this guy. It's Fred Warner. Oh, wow. Uh, he, I, listen, man, he he's just so, so good. Listen, I mentioned the 11 tackles, the nine solo tackles. But to me, what stands out is last week he makes a big play in pass coverage, 20 yards down the field, tipping a ball to Talanoa Hufunga for the interception. This week it's a big third down sack. It's a tackle for loss on, a, I believe, a third down as, or a, as well. There was a pressure it feels like every week Fred Warner, like it's almost like he goes out and says, okay, this week I'm going to be really good in pass coverage. I'm going to remind people how good I am there. But then he has another week where he says, I'm going to be a really good pass rusher. And he just, he's the most complete middle linebacker in the NFL. And we might need to start talking about how 54 is better than 52. Jason, who's your number one star? It's Christian McCaffrey, man. Again, whenever you need it, whenever you need something, his 
his presence on the field alone makes it easier for everyone else. That's the other thing. You can't take that presence off the field. If you put Jordan Mason on the field, you know you're not throwing the football to a running back. If you have Christian McCaffrey on the field, it can be literally anything. It could be a shot play. It could be a draw. It could be a, a you know a screen. It could be him running an angle route. Yep. That's why you don't take him off the field. It gives you ultimate flexibility in these games. Again, this felt specific to this game that they rode Christian McCaffrey and made him play every single snap. I don't suspect that that's something that's going to continue, especially if the 49ers start to get into a spot where they start pulling away and they're doing very well. But for me, it is absolutely going to be Christian McCaffrey, man. And that man, the air that he occupies, the attention that he brings, makes things easier for everybody on the field, not only the play caller, but the quarterback, but the but the wide receivers, the tight ends, makes it easier for everybody. That is the reason that you have Christian McCaffrey on the field all the time. And if you feel confident and you want to finish a game out, I have no problem with you giving the ball to your stud because if you didn't and Elijah Mitchell fumbles, well, why wasn't McCaffrey in that game? Well, you know what? Knock all that off and don't even put him in the game if Christian McCaffrey's hooping. Yeah. Perfectly said. I love Christian. What what did the Niners have to give up for him? And was it was I don't it know. I, I was told it was too many picks. I was told that you picks. don't do that. Yeah. It was what are you gonna do was... without? What are you gonna do without Jeff Wilson? You know. Yeah. Like, oh my God. How how could you have traded I Jeff Wilson? Jeff, I love God. Jeff Wilson. By the Me way, too. But point. that was but that speaking, was a classic overblown. Maybe a very early revenge game. Hoops revenge game. Mabrita. 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 It is. It is Mabrita. It is. That's who. That's who their starter is. Jason, it's always enjoyable talking 49ers football with you. I love doing it so much. It's my favorite thing. And it's so much better when it comes off of a 49ers win. I, I love it. Uh, a lot to talk about in that game. Uh, it, it was a fun game. Most importantly, though, whether you liked Purdy's performance or not, or whether or not you liked another player's performance or not, 49ers are 2-0. They are sitting atop the NFC West by themselves. Maybe a wire-to-wire -wire first place in the NFC West thing. We'll see. Maybe too early to talk about it. But here we are. The watch 49ers, the Seahawks, though. Those, those, watch those Seahawks. Uh, but the 49ers are 2-0, man, and it feels really, really good. It, it's just it, – it's peaceful right now. It's almost like Purdy's – it's almost like Purdy's game was the first, like, we haven't had too much discourse in the past couple weeks type thing where, like, we needed it, but, like, it's been so calm, so peaceful. Uh, Going to be a weird week for us again this week. I mentioned it on Friday. We'll be back Wednesday, about 5.15-ish. We'll let you know for the Friday time, because, as I said, your boy is off of work. Jason Aponte is going to be on the West Coast because he's going to be in the streets. No, I'm not, unfortunately. Oh. My, my house my house has been hit with COVID. Oh, man. Oh, that, that's okay. Well, no, you, you, were, you were only flying out for Saquon anyways, and he heard Saquon. <sighs> Jason was also going to Atlanta this weekend to go see Messi, and then Messi said he wasn't going to play, and he's like, "I'm." Well, staying. I was going to go to Atlanta to see Drake. <laughs> hey, that that Drake—I I forget who it was—the Drake 49ers hoodie uh, that the NFL Network person was wearing. I think it was sick. Oh, the OVO I would one. rock that. Yeah, the OVO or whatever have, Drake calls his. Do you have two hundred? Do you have two hundred and sixty-five dollars to plunge down for it? No, I just bought a new. I bought a new couch, so no, I definitely. Don't. Way more important. Yeah, way more important. But hey, it's a nice hoodie. That, that's all I got. So yeah, should have got, well, got, should have got the owl on the couch. No, Andrew did not watch the other guys yet, but it is penciled in to be watched this week at some point. At some point, penciled it will be. In. 
You guys, Friday. internet Friday. bullying does not work. I, I, it just doesn't work. It, internet bullying does not. <laughs> it work. doesn't work like it used to. It man. doesn't work, man. We're so we are so <laughs> we are we used to be a society. Back we used to be my a day. society. Back in my day, when you started bullying someone online, they had to do whatever they it had to do. It. It. No, it, it's it's penciled into uh, this Friday. It's a weird busy week because the stupid Niners play on stupid Thursday night. Uh, which I love it. Our, I know I love it too. It just makes the content a little more condensed. Oh no! Like we have we have a ton to do. Like I wrote yes. two articles today. I got two more tomorrow. I got but, two but, more at the end of that. But honestly, um, man, the thought of a Sunday with no 49ers football yes, and that's, is, is the reward. That it is the reward. What I'm gonna do on Sunday is I'm going to go to a bar and watch football with yes. regular people, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm jazzed. I can't wait. I'm going to have a normal Sunday with my friends, but I don't have to stress about Sunday. It's, it's done. Right. And right? So like, it, it's the reward. It's like a reward. And Saturday I get to watch coach prime against uh USC. Right. I think at, at uh, nine, like eight, 9, 9 a.m. Your time. Is that, is that, no, that's in a couple weeks. Uh, Colorado oh, has a weeks. Oregon this week, I believe. Okay. Okay. Hey, Which, hey man, dude, I, I got like the West Coast is the best coast for sports, but I got tired and I couldn't watch the rest of that game. That game was going until eleven thirty, man. You didn't watch the rest of the Colorado game. Shame no, on you. I was up until two thirty in the morning. I was I woke up at four thirty in the morning that Saturday to watch my Wolverhampton Wanderers get washed. That's by that's Liverpool. Your that's my fault. That's that's hand. your issue. That's that your left issue. hand up. That's my. You should have. You know what? Get and end the show. End the show end right the, now. End Jason Afonte, right as always. Let's go Niners. I can't right hand. Up. He slipped that wood in there. <laughs>